I try to think of sustainability in beauty and otherwise, like on a very kind of micro level. I think it's a very broad encompassing term. And to that point can be a little bit like intimidating or unattainable to many people. Like it just sounds like too big and how am I gonna like anything I do make a change. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Skin Intellectual Podcast. This is your host, Nicole Simpson. And we are just so happy that you're joining us today. Like seriously, we can't even tell you how excited we are for this upcoming episode. We're interviewing a woman who is seriously just a star in my book. This woman is hashtag goals. I couldn't wait to interview her, but once I actually had her on and we were digging deeper into our interview, I realized that I was more than blessed to have her on the show. And I truly can't wait to invite her back to dive even deeper into our passion points. Her name is Melanie Rudd. She is a freelance beauty editor who is just as passionate about the beauty industry as we are. She is a beauty expert, and you'll know this if, once you start listening to her interview in the episode, you'll see that this woman is just so knowledgeable. She is a beauty editor, and she truly enjoys sharing her expertise with the world. She writes for uh, many different books and is considered an internationally sought-after expert. I'm sure, I am 100% sure that you guys are going to fall in love with her just like I have. So please be sure to go follow her on Insta. Her handle is at Mel, M-E-L underscore Rudd, R-U-D. If you follow her, you're not going to miss a beat. Trust me, you won't regret it. So for more than a decade, she was a beauty editor in New York City for some of the biggest magazines, including Good Housekeeping. She moved to Chicago six years ago, went freelance. So she's still writing and covering beauty for many different magazines, many different websites. If you look up her work, you'll see her uh, contributions basically everywhere. Uh, But she also does more than that now. So she's doing consulting, she's doing editorial work, and she also appears on TV as a beauty and lifestyle expert. She went to NYU for journalism. So, you know, she is the real deal. So what really is important to her is you know using her voice and using her work in journalism not just to share information like sharing information is wonderful and she's very good at that but it goes deeper than that for her it's about empowering women and restoring confidence to women and sustainability and beauty is near and dear to her heart just like it's near and dear to ours and in this episode we're going to talk about that so you know she's really passionate about giving a voice to brands who are out there actually making a difference. So in this episode, we're going to talk about, you know, what she looks for in a product or a brand that lets her know that it has something different or special, how she knows that a startup has staying power in the industry. And uh, she really takes a, a deep dive with us on the key pieces of that. So like what motivates the founder? What is their background? Why connecting with your why is so important for those who need to know your brand. And then we're going to spend some time going into sustainability and beauty. We know that sustainability means different things to different people. So we talk about what it means to her and what we can do as founders to make a stronger impact. You know, one of her key pieces of advice is about bringing sustainability down from the macro level to the micro level so that all of our smaller contributions can make bigger differences. So without further ado, we are going to jump right into this interview. We look forward to having you on this episode. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And as promised, we have someone here who I am just so excited to interview today. Her name is Melanie Rudd. She has 
quite the resume in terms of being involved in the beauty industry. She is a beauty expert and an editor sharing all of her expert thoughts with the world. Melanie, thank you so much for joining our podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to, to chat with you. Thank you. Um, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners the, the preview of how awesome you are? Oh, well, <laughs> I do say so myself. Uh, so I have been in the beauty industry um, for, gosh, over a decade now. Um, I started my career in New York City as a beauty editor. I worked at some of the biggest magazines, um, Good Housekeeping, Health, Shape. Uh, I moved to Chicago, which is where I live now, about six years ago. Um, and at that time, I went freelance. So mm-hmm. since then, I've been still writing and covering beauty for different magazines, websites. Um, I work with a lot of brands and do consulting work and, and editorial work for them as well. Um, do some things on TV as a beauty and lifestyle expert. And yeah, just kind of all, all beauty all the time. What made you decide that you wanted to get into beauty? It was kind of a fluke thing. I went to college to NYU for journalism. Um, knew I like wasn't going to be a, you know, hard-hitting front lines newspaper reporter. I wanted to do women's magazines, but wasn't quite sure what. Um, And happened to kind of stumble upon a beauty internship at Good Housekeeping and realized, you know, on day one, like, holy moly, I get paid to write about (laughs) You found the sweet spot. You're happy place. Pretty amazing. Um, And, you know, just, just really fell in love with it. And it's funny because I was like a total tomboy growing up. Um, and now I'm like the opposite of that. (laughs) Um, but I just really fell in love with, I mean, look on a surface level, it's just so fun, right? You get to play with products and talk about things, but I think there is such a deeper, um, you know, level to, to beauty journalism that people don't always see. I think, you know, you make women feel better about themselves and empower themselves and educate them about things like skincare. And like, I always joke that I could be a dermatologist in a second life, just because (laughs) how much I've learned about, you know, skin in the past 10 years. Um, And then, you know, issues like educating people on issues like, like sustainability, which I know is your focus. Um, But, you know, being able to kind of merge different worlds and, and just share that with people is, is uh, pretty special for me. Absolutely. And I think a lot of our listeners are indie brand founders, a lot of startups. We have estheticians, influencers. We have a a different crowd who listen to our podcast. But one of the things that I think isn't always so obvious is how important it is to us as founders to have beauty editors like you who are experts, who are educated, and who can give a voice to things that are very important. You know, gone are the days that it's just about having a pretty lipstick color. Like beauty is so intertwined into our lifestyle that um, education is like the minimum that needs to be done to really, you know, there, there's a quote out there. I don't know who said it, but they, it, it's been said that like, if you change the way a woman looks, you change your life and you can restore quality of life through right. the articles you write. And I think, you know, as founders for any of our founders listening, you know, don't underestimate the importance of having good relationships with your beauty editors and always making sure that they're up to date on the cool things you're innovating because, you know, their voice is the one that really matters. So given your expertise in this space and the amount of time that you've had in this space, you get to interview people, CEOs, founders, you're privy to launches, you're privy to new brands before anyone else is. So, you know, that's such a cool thing, but like, what do you typically look for in a product or a brand that lets you know that they've got something different or special? 
Um, I mean, I think, you know, anytime it's the first of anything, that's obviously always noteworthy. I know that sounds kind of like a kind of a duh answer maybe, but it's hard to do these days just because the market is so saturated. There's so much of everything. It's very uh, unique to see something totally new and, you know, in that sense, cutting edge. I mean, I think I try to also delve a little bit deeper besides like the fancy word on the packaging and like if they're just using a buzzword like I like to kind of really get down to the nitty-gritty and like okay this is anti-aging but how exactly is it anti-aging right exactly hey it's a clean product like what exactly does that mean or you say you're sustainable like what exactly does that mean I think a lot of you know it's like it's partially a marketing thing and it's just certain brands it's just you put on big splashy kind of buzzwords and trend words that everybody's using. Um, and that's very easy to do. And so for me, when I'm looking at anything new, I like to kind of like peel back the layers a little right. bit and kind of get to like the core of the matter. Um, I think it's interesting for me too, to know what motivates, like especially with the indie brands you mentioned, mm-hmm. like what is the founder's background? Where, why did you come up with a beauty line right like you could be doing anything why this and why this like particular type of product or category of product Mm -hmm. I think that's really important to consider you know um, I for those of you who listen often you will hear me reference Simon Sinek a lot Um, I really believe in his message and that's starting with why staying connected to your why as a founder keeps you very close to your mission but it is also that thing that resonates with people. So if you're going to resonate with someone's story, chances are it's because they care about the same thing that you care about too. And, you know, as a, as a founder and somebody who's been in the business or sorry, the beauty industry for a long time, I've seen it a million times over where you have a skincare company that innovates a really great product. And then you have 15 other companies who copy or get as close to a copy as they can and then use buzzwords and it's just not the same. And so, you know, being authentic and being yourself is really what makes the difference between something being, you know, groundbreaking and innovative versus not. So, you know, much of the reason I started this podcast um, in the skincare project that I have is because sustainability in the beauty industry is very important to me. It's very important to our listeners. And, but what that brings about is that sustainability means different things to different people you know, mm. sustainability to me could mean, you know, no air pollution <laughs> created by my products where sustainability to another brand, you know, might be looking at avoiding single use plastics or buying carbon offset credits. So given your position in the beauty industry, we would love to hear what sustainability and beauty means to you. I try to think of sustainability in beauty and otherwise, like on a very kind of micro level, I think it's a very broad encompassing term. And to that point can be a little bit like intimidating or unattainable to many people. Like it just sounds like too big and how am I going to like anything I do make a change. So I just try to think about it like, you know, from a work perspective, obviously I cover sustainable brands and, and that's kind of one way I think about it. But personally, I try to with beauty, like just get very down to daily kind of habits and things I'm doing. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize we talk about kind of environmental impact with like, I don't know, plastic water bottles or straws or whatever. And the fact that, you know, the face wipes you're using every night to wash your face or throwing in the trash, like people don't really think about that connection isn't quite there. Right. For me, sustainability and beauty, like really boils down to um, kind of like daily habits and products you're using and how you're using them. And then, you know, 
one step above that. And like for me with the work I do is thinking about choosing brands and supporting brands that are taking that to the next level. Yeah. It's so important to consider because like you said, maybe making that one small change, if you make that one small change across 15 different brands, now you've got 15 changes happening all at once. And so, you know, and that brings me actually to one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is just that, you know, it is easier for startup brands and smaller indie brands to tackle sustainability because we're starting right from the beginning. So we can make different choices. Granted, it's more expensive in many cases to start off being sustainable. Packaging is still quite high uh, packaging costs. You know, there are costs forming partnerships with people who might be able to help you recycle your products, but it is much easier for us to do it with good planning than it might be for a big company. Um, I won't name them, but you know, think of any of the large beauty companies who care about sustainability. It's well on their radar. It's been for years, but their supply chains run deep. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if, if a big company said today, okay, we're going to switch to all recyclable uh, cardboard packaging that could take three years because there are so many bits and pieces that come into that. So are there any brands that are on your radar, small or large that really stand out for you that you think are going to lead the charge in being the sustainable beauty brand of the future? Yeah. So, um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like I definitely think there's, um, an element of, of ease for the smaller brands that are doing it from the ground up versus like retroactively trying to find the sustainable model on the smaller indie side. I think in beauty, I N N beauty is doing really cool things. Um, they're not only like a great non-toxic kind of clean brand, which I do think there's a big intersection there between mm-hmm. the green space and the sustainable space, but they have the first ever completely recyclable pump bottle in one of their products because they don't even have a metal spring. People don't know it can't be recycled. And right. they're, they're doing a new initiative where they're going to be a negative plastic brand. So for every uh, unit they sell, they're going to pull three units out of the ocean or the landfills, okay. which I think really cool and that's yeah. like we do that too yeah such a cool like we're not <laughs> not making not doing bad things but we're doing something good as well absolutely um, and I think credo also credo kind of like revolutionized the you know the game when it came to clean beauty and actually having some kind of regimented standards and definition absolutely and protocol and that's like a whole I'd be like you know could you four more podcasts on the green beauty industry totally. I'm doing air quotes I'm on a podcast I'm doing air quotes but you know what I mean yeah. Um, but they now have a new sustainable packaging initiative by June of next year. They're going to get rid of all single use products. I mentioned the face wipes, but like face wipes, sheet masks, all these kinds of one and done things. They're getting rid of those completely and putting new, um, similar to their ingredients guidelines, new sustainable packaging guidelines for all their, the brands they carry. So I think they're doing really good things. And I think, you know, the big brands, like, I think they really are trying. Um, Garnier has done awesome stuff. They have a really cool partnership with TerraCycle to help people make recycling their beauty empties really easy. Right. I think that's like a super accessible, great thing that everybody can do and should, should know about. Mm-hmm. Um, Unilever, you know, is starting to do things too. They're, a lot of their, the brands in their portfolio are doing things with products that require less water. Yes. So trying to minimize water waste and offering more concentrated formulas. They have a new, um, one of their brands, Love Beauty Planet, has a new dry shampoo that has no greenhouse gas. Interesting. This is new. So it's an aerosol. I actually don't know if I'm supposed to talk about that yet. I'm not sure (laughs) when it's launching, but yeah. So it's, there's no greenhouse gases in it. It's an aerosol without those, which is really cool and unique. So, you know, it definitely is happening in the industry on 
from both the bigger brands and the smaller ones. Right. And those are the things that are actually um, really good that they're doing, but they're, they're attainable too. Um, for example, we have a spray that we chose to use aloe vera juice instead of water and it was an easy swap. It didn't cost it's us better for your skin. It is much better for your skin. It's, it's great. For the yeah. It's totally sustainable. It helps the environment to plant more aloe plants. So, you know, we check a lot of boxes with that. And, and these are things, you know, for those of you who are in product development, listening to this, like these are the things that are actually simple to work with your formulators to help you do. Um, and again, like we said, it might be one change, but if all of us make that one change, eventually those effects just, they really add up and make a huge difference. So um, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about climate neutral and carbon neutral. Are these terms that have been thrown on your radar lately? They have a little bit. I think with beauty, it's like not quite the hot buzzword yet. Mm -hmm. I think the beauty industry is still, when it comes to sustainability, still pretty, um, focused on the like plastic problem which is a very big problem um you know i read a statistic that there's over 180 billion with a b um you know plastic containers floating around in the ocean that are cosmetic containers like i said like it's not just the water bottles it's your face cream and whatever empty so i think the beauty industry is still kind of focused on the plastic part specifically Mm -hmm. But I think that will, in terms of sustainability, I think carbon neutral, climate neutral, I think those will be kind of the next step, um, mm-hmm. as well as you touched on this before, but the ingredient sourcing, I think it's going to be another very big trend in the industry when it comes to less water, renewable resources, um, you know, things like that. Absolutely. And I think climate neutral and carbon neutral, you know, these aren't well understood terms even outside of the beauty industry sure. and there are agencies that will say okay you're carbon neutral because maybe you're putting a lot of carbon into the atmosphere because you fly your packaging from korea or from italy to the united states and right. there's, a, there's a carbon output for that and they'll say okay you can purchase carbon credits and that will offset your carbon but you know does that really work does that really make you carbon neutral i don't know we're still jury's out for yeah. me <laughs> jury's out for us so um If you, given again, your knowledge of sustainability, ingredient sourcing, things that can really help a brand truly make the shift to being more environmentally conscious and sustainable. So if you started a skincare or makeup brand tomorrow, what sustainability choices would you make before you launched it? Oh my gosh. I don't know if I could ever do that just because I've seen the work that goes into it and like more power to you guys. But this is just like, I I could not be a publicist or beauty publicist and I could not be like a brand founder because it's just... (laughs) <laughs> so much. Um, so just be friends with us and we'll make sure you've always yeah, got good products to you. <laughs> we'll make you, we'll make you your wish list. I, we all work together as a team, right? Yes, exactly. um, I think, you know, I think it needs to be something that is still just very kind of like easy and clear cut to the average beauty consumer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think being in the industry, sometimes it's hard to lose sight of like, who the average consumer might be. And obviously that's different for every brand. And if you're a smaller indie brand, you might have a different consumer than like a drugstore brand that, you know, everybody in middle America is buying, but particularly with sustainability and, you know, like even the packaging components, like people just don't know, they don't get it. So I think, you know, if I were to be doing something, my primary focus would kind of be the the packaging probably, and just making it very clear for people like where this came from and what to do with it when you're done. Absolutely. Um, and these are thing again, you know, for any of you founders out there listening, you know, it is very easy 
to make partnerships with companies like TerraCycle, which we have with companies like 4Ocean, who we support to help you. You know, if you're small, maybe you're not doing a $250,000 a year sponsorship, but there are ways that you can make sure that you keep products out of landfill or, or whatever right. your passion point is for sustainability. I do speak English, I assure you, for sustainability. You know, they can be achieved and baby steps are better than no steps at all. And so we are so happy to hear your insights today. Thank you. I was going to say just one quick thing for other like smaller brands, which I think is really cool. A lot of the smaller ones I know offer um, like direct to their consumers, like mailback options. So, you know, send us back your MDs and we'll give you a coupon for a future product or whatever. And I think even that is just like a very kind of simple way for smaller brands to start to minimize waste and engage their consumer a little bit. I would do that with my theoretical brand too. (laughs) Well, I think these are excellent steps. And so now, you know, you shared a wealth of information with us and we really appreciate that. And so I've got a few questions lined up called getting to know you. (laughs) These are meant to be fun. You can be as fun or as serious as you would like to be, but we all want to know what is your favorite skincare product? Uh, My like desert island skincare must is a tinted sunscreen from a company called Elastin. Love They're them. a dermatologist skincare brand. It's, mm-hmm. um, I think it's called Hydrotin. It's SPF 36, I want to say. And it's just like the most amazing formula coverage. I wear it every single day, no matter what. It is a dream and worth every penny. This product has a cult following. Once you get it on your face, you can't get it off. It's so, so good. good. It's, it's so good. good. What about your makeup? What makeup are you wearing on your face right now? So glad you asked because I put on makeup for, you know, like the first time in the final. <laughs> um, I'm where I wear that tinted sunscreen uh-huh. as like a, you know, just good kind of base. Um, I'm wearing a foundation from Exa Beauty, EXA, which is Credo's new um, like in-house line. Awesome. Um, in a totally recyclable glass bottle, I should add, on the sustainability mm-hmm. point. Good. Um, and then a mascara from Kosas. Awesome. Which is also new and I'm loving. Um, a brow pencil from It Cosmetics. I like always need a good, I'm very pale and blonde, so I need a good brow moment. Um, and then a tinted chapstick lip balm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys can't see her because you're listening on the podcast, but I can see her on the camera and she actually has that beautiful, she's achieved that beautiful look where she doesn't look like she's wearing any makeup at all. So you've done a really good job. I mean, I told you before I have a Zoom filter on, so like. <laughs> Gorgeous. Okay. So um, what's your favorite fragrance? I'm not a huge fragrance person. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> the, the one I always wear is a, it's Jo Malone. It's, I want to say it's like English cucumber and Earl Grey or something. Oh, nice clean it's, one. It's super clean yeah. and super light. Um, I'm very into home fragrance. Like I love a good candle going, but mm-hmm. I am not a big fragrance on myself person. So like I'll wear that, but like one spritz for my whole body and that's it. <laughs> awesome. Um, so what is your dream skincare product that doesn't exist today that one of us listening could create for you? Ooh. Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no pressure. Darling. I, want, I want something that like legitimately gets rid of a pimple overnight. Like none of this stuff out there. I don't care how clean, fast it claims to work. Nothing works like legitimately overnight. You need at least two or three days. When you say gets rid of, do you mean like it is like flat, gone. no longer red? Like it's your skin flat, flat, like the equivalent of like going to a dermatologist for a cortisone exactly. injection. Okay. Like 
Totally got. <laughs> so you guys have heard her. Whoever's out there looking into acne products, you have to make something that clears. You've got a 24-hour window of clearance to get her back to normal. Um, hey, if one of us do it, we're going to send it to you first. Not even like 24. <laughs> I say like 12. I want like a 12-hour wait. Like I'm going to sleep and wake up. Clear yeah, skin. I'm really sleeping 12 hours, but yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. What's the favorite place you've traveled? Ooh, so many good ones. Um, I love Patagonia in Argentina. I think it's the most magical place. Highly, highly recommend for anybody. Um, I've been lucky enough to go to Africa too, which is also. Wow. You've like, got a lot of people's bucket list on your passport. Once in a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Super, super cool. um, if you could come back as any animal, what would it be and why? Um, I would come back as my dog, George. <laughs> Hi, George. You've got the life. Yeah, George is laying on a beanbag pillow. Yeah, one of his, like, nine dog beds he has. No, I would come back as, like, a dog, like a spoiled dog. Awesome. <laughs> um, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Oh, oh, my God, these questions are so good. You should be a journalist. Um, probably just, like, chill out. It's all going to work out. Yep. You know, 99.999% of the things you're worrying about are not going to matter in the next month. So, like... <laughs> Exactly. If it's not going to matter in 30 days, it doesn't matter today. Just like, let it go. (laughs) Fantastic. And then finally, because you've just spent 10 years covering beauty, um, in case you guys are loving what you're hearing right now, which I'm sure you are, if you look up um, articles written by Melanie Rudd, you will find a treasure trove of beauty knowledge. So I highly encourage you to do it, find her, set up notifications and see when she writes. So what is your favorite article about skincare or beauty in general that you've ever written and why? Oh, I've written a couple on the connection between um, stress and skin and kind of emotions and the skin in general, Mm -hmm. which I think is just a fascinating topic. Um, I've talked to several doctors who are both dermatologists and psychologists. There's like a kind of a growing field of of people who do both just because that connection is so, so strong. And Mm -hmm. I think you know, this, like this whole kind of like mind body concept, everybody talks about that and your, your health and well being, but people forget that, you know, the skin is the, the largest visible organ. Um, and you know, everything we go through shows up there and particularly like in, you know, 2020, um, obviously very sort of timely. Um, but I, that, that kind of connection between what goes on in our brain and what shows up on our face is just super fascinating to me. Wow. That's really interesting. So, um, if people want to find you online, where can they find you? So I'm a big Instagram girl. So at Mel Rudd underscore, um, that's kind of my main online platform or my website, melanierudd.com. I try to keep that up to date with all my links to stories and, and, uh, all that, all that good stuff. Fantastic. So you're Rudd, R-U-D, one D, correct? Yes. Not like Paul Rudd. Although I do tell people <laughs> we're related sometimes. He's not a bad person to be related to. He's adorable. I know. I say he's my cousin. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. It's better than my last name, Simpson. And it's funny because I just moved to Los Angeles a couple years ago. And when I first got here, I had to call to switch on all the utilities and I would tell people my name and you just hear them dying in laughter. And I'm like, I understand the dilemma of being Nicole Simpson in Los Angeles. Are you like, not her. Thank you, Melanie, so, so much for sharing your wisdom today with us. We are so thankful and we really look forward to having you on our podcast again. Thank you. This was so fun.